0: All right, good morning again. I've got an introduction to make. My uh, son and daughter-in-law and my grandson right over here, John Mark and Michelle, and Lincoln, who's very fast. Are you fast, Lincoln? Looking at me. And uh, then my, my daughter, Dorothy, and she's holding... Sky, and that's little Jana down beside her, and then Joshua, who normally is at Antioch in uh, Roxbury, but also has been living the last year in Dubai, working with a mission team there. So, um, our daughter Grace is not here; she's leading worship over at Antioch Brighton this morning. So we are, uh, and they are both apart.
1: Welcome so, to the Dream so Clock, kind
0: journey. of an, uh, well, I'm encouraged. Welcome to. They're all. They're both in Antioch churches. One is uh, the John Mark and Michelle in Lincoln, or in Antioch Waco, and Dorothy is in Antioch Ann Arbor. So this is our this is our community. This is our family. And what I'm sharing about today is going to be a little bit of that story. And I'm. Um, but before I I say that anything about that, I do want to recognize that. I said last week that Pierce would be sharing this morning. Turns out today is the one month anniversary of the passing of their their baby. And so, felt like it was better for them to be home today. And what we're going to be focusing on is uh, stepping into understanding our vision today. Who are we and where are we going? We're going to be, a number of things are happening over the next few weeks that I want you to understand so that we can walk together in this, okay? So I just pray for Pierce and Tulia and their children right now. We pray that they would be comforted, that they would walk in deep understanding in your will and that, that every place of love that, that has been expressed, it would work deeper into their hearts and that they would know they are known and seen. In the name of Jesus, amen. So today I'm talking about vision, and that is a huge conversation potentially. A lot of people come up to me at times and say, what's our vision? And I have to sit down and ask them a whole set of questions in order to understand what they're asking from me. For some people, they're saying, what's your vision? And they're thinking of a tagline. They're thinking of more of this, a statement that would give some view of our identity. For another person, it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? When you're a full-grown church, when you're the perfect church and you're doing all this stuff, what do you want to be out there somewhere? Or sometimes what they're doing, uh, a person's asking you for vision, they're saying, what's next? What is it that we're doing now? What's the priority? What are we focusing on together? Sometimes, what they're asking me is, what's our vision is, who are we? What's important to us? What are our core values? So if I was to answer that question broadly, it would take about eight hours. So be encouraged. I'm just going to take a small slice of this this morning. I'm going to give you a, a little bit of an explanation of who we are, where we've, where we've come from, and and then talk a little bit about where we're going. But the primary thing that I want to share with you today is what's next. What are we walking together in this fall? What is this next season for us? And, uh, you know, as you're, you're getting your life back together, we're, we're coming up out of the deep sleep of summer. And all of these unpleasant things are happening where rigid schedules are being thrust on us again. Anybody feeling the joy of that right now? And uh, it's like, boom, here we are. And so over the next couple of weeks, you'll be waking up. And you're going, oh, yeah, here's what's going on. And, and this is a part of this. And all the things that you're praying about, all the discussions that you're having, what, you know, what does my schedule look like? What is the calendar supposed to be? I want to give you a little bit of an overlay of, of what we're going to be focusing on that I believe will strengthen our community and strengthen your relationship with Jesus. Okay? So, what we want to do. So, a little bit of history, where we've been. Uh, a very little bit. This could sound scary if I started out with, uh, with this next line, but I'm going to do it anyway. January 19th, 1980, Red Cabin Number 5 at Latham Baptist Camp. I was filled with the Holy Spirit as a little Baptist boy, and I did not know what had happened to me. I walked like, I don't even know what this is. I started praying for people. I'd been praying over years, reading my Bible, sort of. My grandfather and father were Southern Baptist ministers, and I had an experience that I could read in the Bible, but no one had ever, this was not where I had come from. And because that shift was so dramatic to me, I approached the Bible really kind of like a blank sheet of paper, and the the church is a blank sheet of paper. And I started reading the book of Acts and saying, what is the church? Who are we? What is our purpose? And with a group of friends, we ended up uh, cramming 100 people into a two-bedroom apartment living room. And uh, I bought a guitar, learned three chords, and we started worshiping at 7.30 at night and would go till midnight sometimes. And we just fell in love with worshiping Jesus. And that core passion then moved into, what now what do we do? And we started small groups, and we had a retreat, and we started doing mission trips. We started a discipleship school. And we, we were just doing what was next. Out of a root of passion for Jesus and reading the Bible, we said, what's next? How do, we do, how do we live out life together as followers of Jesus? And that was 42 years ago. It's gone through many phases. For a significant season of that, Susan and I were... Uh, actually part of a, a parallel church movement to Antioch. And we lived for 10 years in Indonesia. We moved to Boston nine years ago. And we've continued what is now uh, a much uh, extended, I don't, I don't even know how many churches, somewhere close between 45 and 50 Antioch churches around the country, a couple of hundred missionaries around the world. And we felt called to come here to focus on a specific region, New England, and build churches that would walk together and, and plant a number of smaller churches that would cooperate in vision together. So that's the, the goal ultimately is always loving God, sharing life, and proclaiming Jesus, it's always upward connection with God, and somehow some words uh, of describing what it means to kind of sort out all of the one another's, all of this. How do you treat one another? How do you deal with life and community? And how do how do we deal with our marriages? How do we parent? All of this we see in different places in the Scripture, the character and values there. But one passage specifically stood out to me early on, and it's been kind of our, our imprint. So we have a, up here, we're going to stand and read this together. This is Acts chapter 13. Let's all read this out loud in a New International Version. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. You can be seated. You can leave that passage up there. So this is, this is what we want to be like when we grow up. This is, why did this scripture get so burned into me? I don't know. Maybe it was the Lord. A lot of times people say, we want to be a part of the New Testament church. And I'll turn to them and say, which one? Laodicea? You know, Ephesus? There were multiple New Testament churches. And they all had problems. There's not a perfect New Testament church. But this is one of them. And in in Antioch... There's things that happen here that, that inspire me. This story is amazing. The first thing that inspired me is this is a missionary, this is a rooted missionary passage. And I just, something about the gospel going to all nations gets me fired up. The sacrifice related to it, the difficulty of it inspires me. Because I believe that's that's such a core thing in our faith. We're not here just to get your needs met, just to build up friends, to be encouraged. You're called to the cross of Jesus. You're called to sacrifice. You're called to lose your life. This is the the Savior we're following went to the cross. And that's where he's leading us. So there's some place where... You're to lay down all that you are and pick up who he is and follow after him. But in this passage, what we see that's impressive to me is diverse gifting, diverse culture, diverse socioeconomically, that's rooted in a missionary gifting that's deeply connected to prayer and fasting. So, diverse gifts, all five Ephesians 4 gifts are expressed in this church. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I'm not going to break all that down, but you can dig into that. It doesn't have specifically all those words, but we can see it as, it doesn't say apostle, but that's exactly what happened. They sent out Paul and and Saul, Barnabas and Saul at this point in time. So, a diverse community where all of these gifts are being expressed, and diverse culturally. It's got a number of different nations that are expressed here. And so we also see people, there were people in this church, we know because they reached to the, the poor. There were poor in the church. And then there was a guy that was a friend of the king, brought up, raised up with Herod the Tetrarch. So they had wealthy and poor living out life together. And let me just say, this is hard I'm inspired by this vision not because it seems cool but because it is so challenging and in our community the diversity that's here is powerful and hard because trying to understand someone that comes from a different cultural background is it takes a lot of communication it takes a lot of process it takes a lot of forgiving. It takes a lot of time to build that in community. But if we walk there, it builds a strength that will allow us to impact the world. If we can figure out how to love each other, we can invite other people and say, just watch us love each other. Does that sound scary? What does our world need right now? What is one of, you know, whatever list that you're thinking about, one of the biggest things in our world right now is the challenge of, of dealing with different races, different cultures. And so we can look at anywhere and say, we're a mess. The world is coming apart, but the church is learning how to do this. And I believe this is where the life is from. This is where the healing can come out of. This is where, if we learn how to walk this out, it'll bring healing to your life. It'll bring depth in your relationships. It'll impact your family. So, how specifically are we going to do this? Two things that we're going to be emphasizing next week we're starting a series on prayer, and uh, so that's building again your connection with Jesus. Uh, nothing specifically shocking or surprising about that statement, but I do want to say many people have been derailed over the last few years. There's a lot of disillusionment. Um. But I think that part of God's plan, you know, God He doesn't uh, all things. I'm thinking of Romans chapter eight right now. The quoted verse that eight twenty eight. Someone confess it. There we go. I needed a, one more cup of coffee this morning. I've been very much enjoying my grandchildren and uh, running full steam for the last week. And um, uh, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are are called according to his purpose. So in that passage, it doesn't say all things are good. And it doesn't say God causes all things. But it says God causes all things to work together for good. So what we're doing, even in this pandemic, I believe God is using to do a massive global reset of a church that was asleep. And a lot of the filter that's happened, if you were just showing up because that was a nice thing to do, I think that God's put a reset into the system. He's saying, come back to me. Walk with me hear my voice, have a relationship. So that's one of the first things that we're doing is emphasizing prayer. And I'll be teaching on a a series that I've used. Uh, You know, these are large numbers that I say. I can throw out 20, 30, 40 years and then get you to guess. I'm I'm almost 37. (laughs) No, I've been around a while. So I've been praying this format of prayer for 30 years. Not every day, not every week, but this has been a, a guide for my life of getting a vision of the character of God. And I've, there are seven specific focuses of prayer. For me, it's like I want to get a hold of as much as possible of a vision of the character of God and try to hold on to that and just be stretched. So the, the overarching word is holiness. And under that, different words that stretch us out are complete, perfect, mature, pure, whole. All of those words are extreme words. May, words that make you feel like a failure. They're like you're not there yet. But you just, just hold on. I believe if we ask Jesus in his name, according to his will, in agreement, he'll do it. And we're not asking for a new car. You can ask for a new car, that's fine. But I think if we ask him to build his character in our lives, that's a prayer that he'll answer. And we can have confidence of that. And you can can move into different lists. You can pray through Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. But here's my list, okay? And you don't have to have my list. But I challenge you to start with a list. So here's what's on my list. Number one, praying for the fear of the Lord. I believe that's the deepest motivation. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's, so, it's a constant part of my prayer life, that he would build that in me, he would build it in my family, in my marriage, in our community. Number two, pray for, this is out of Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, and these are all what I would call apostolic prayers, they're all New Testament prayers, no, take that back. There's some Psalms, there's different things in here, and I'm going to hand this list out. We're still cleaning it up a little bit, my... uh, Apparently, I I needed some edits and some new graphics. If you know how to do fancy graphics, talk to me after the service and you can maybe help make it pretty. Second one is to be filled with the revelation, wisdom, and discernment of God in relation to his word, our family, and ministry. Pray big prayers. Number three, see if you like this one, that God would brighter our tongue, our thoughts, and inward man. And give us a spirit of discipline. That's do it, Lord, in us. Your thought life lined up with the will of God, your words lined up with the will of God, His character. Number four, pray for a spirit of prayer and intercession. Pray without ceasing. How's that happen? There's, there is an anointing, there is a grace of prayer that He can fill your life with. So, I've asked that a few, 10,000 times or so. Number five, pray for a spirit of love and humility, putting God and others above yourself. I can, I can get excited about humility. That may sound odd, but it's, it is so inspiring for me to think about actually growing in humility and honoring others above myself. Wow! Number six, this is, pray for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for ministry. Power, gifts, miracles, conviction, dreams, and visions. That's a part of the character of God being released in us. It's it's the being and the doing are connected. They're intended to be a part of a whole. There's a tension there. And the last one is, again, this this is just a focus. This is not completely complete. There may be something else that you have, but for me, this is a good stretch. This is a place that I've allowed myself to put some priorities in my prayer life that have given me a track that I've walked on for 30 years. The last one is pray for boldness, joy, and victory in persecution. Is that a good prayer? You want want to embrace the fire instead of running from it? Boldness and joy in the middle of it. All right, do that in us. Do that in me. So that's that is going to be one of our focuses. We're gonna. I'm going to challenge all of us to walk together for 21 days in daily prayer. Whatever we'll, we'll talk about how you would do that in your own life. We want to restart. Let's get some momentum. Let's get a focus. And just get some consistency. There's going to be a daily Zoom call for those that want to opt into that for prayer time in the evenings. So we're, going to, we're beginning again and focusing on God in prayer. Amen? And then we're going to use a tool called the Dream Clock to help us walk out our community and discipleship. We've got a video uh, by Clarence Hill. He's an Antioch pastor in Oklahoma, and uh, this is the book he's written. He was here in February, and uh, he's a friend. He stayed; he and his wife stayed with Susan and I. This is a little introduction right here.
1: Welcome to the dream clock journey. I want to give you a quick overview of the dream clock so you can have a taste of what you're going to be learning. All we want to do with these 12 questions is for you to be able to say, I think I might be at this or that hour on the dream plot." Hour number one is called self-locating. Who are you referring to when you say us and our? Are you aware of your palace? That's what we're looking for. Hour number two is called seeing others. How often do you engage those from another community three o'clock is called showing up how often do you frequent spaces that allow you to experience other cultures four o'clock is called coming to the table when was the last time you had someone from a different ethnic group into your home to share a meal five o'clock is called finding a guide who acts as a guide for you as you seek to serve and to learn more about their community. Six o'clock is called entering their community. What gives you the confidence to make or support decisions that influence their community? Seven o'clock is called being a connector. What part do you play in bridging divides? Eight o'clock is called joining together. Who is your partner from their community? Nine o'clock is called celebrating values. What values do you share and celebrate together? 10 o'clock is called creating shared platforms. What platforms could you create together that you could not achieve apart? 11 o'clock is called forming narratives. What stories from their community help to establish a better narrative for tomorrow? 12 o'clock is sharing your story. What is your story of your journey of understanding other cultures and learning to become a bridge builder? These are the 12 questions of the Dream Clock. Hopefully, you might be able to locate yourself. But if not, we want to invite you to do the Dream Clock journey and learn about every single hour and how we can make a difference together. So, I would say,
0: no matter who you are, it is a really exciting time to be in technology at yeah. Fidelity Many, many times, career development is a big part of the- In leading a community, pastors, different individuals are looking for something to kind of inspire everybody and, like, get us fired up. We've got, to, got something to do over the next few months that's going to get better attendance or a better experience. And That's not really my motivation in doing either one of these things. The dream clock to me is kind of, um, if we're going to continue in a consistent way and grow in community and we don't learn these skills, I don't think we're going to make it. We're just spouting out ideals and concepts and there's no real substance. If we don't know how to build muscle that's much more powerful than the world and how we relate across races and cultures. And this is not just a one semester thing. This, one of your groups... Might take two years to go through this, but I, I, you know, I I want to point out one thing. How many Christian words did you hear him say? This is not a Christian book. He's a pastor. He uses this with police departments. He uses this consulting education systems. He uses this in being requested by government agencies to come in and help them deal with all the junk that they're in the middle of. And he's a pastor. What if the world was calling us and saying, can you help us fix our problems? We got to figure out how to fix our problems first. We got some work to do. And back in the 80s, when I was only three years old, I had a very bad attitude about church because I saw so many times people just kind of being used up and thrown away by a system of performance. We're doing this thing and asking for money and building bigger buildings, and it, it really broke my heart. And, that's, and I said, it's a, I believe Romans, also, God is true, though every man be a liar. And rather than looking at church systems and people and saying, what's wrong with Jesus, we look at Jesus and say, what's wrong with us? How do we need to change? Looking at us and saying, what's wrong with the Bible? Let's look at the Bible and say, where is the reality and the substance? And be transformed into his image. So this is hard. Do you want to do hard things? Or do you want to just kind of attend meetings? If you don't do hard things, you will move into unbelief. You will move into disillusionment if you do not pursue Jesus into difficult things. You'll start saying, Jesus doesn't do that. No, we're not going to ask that. No, 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 no. We We only ask Jesus this much. But I... I don't know about you, but I believe in eternity. I've experienced Jesus in a profound way that I know that he is more real than I am. The things that are not seen are eternal. The things that are seen are subject to change. So I want to line up with his will. And we're doing that through prayer and a structured process where we learn, where are you? In your process, 1 to 12, of understanding how to relate to other cultures. And I I am so delighted, so honored, that a friend of mine has had this experience. I can get him on the phone and say, how's it going? And we're having this problem. We're dealing with this. And he and his wife and his kids, they're amazing. They're beautiful people. And we're so we're walking together not in, in really significant stuff. And I this is what I want to do. For living in community, I want to go for it. If I'm walking with Jesus, I want to ask for I want to ask for big stuff. Not for me to get, but for me to be. The ultimate vision for our lives is is to be able to present a reflection of Jesus to God in eternity. That's why you're here on earth. This is the place where change happens. Change doesn't happen in eternity. Let that sink in. I'll say it a few more dozen times over the next few weeks. So in in, uh, Saturday, is the 17th, 18th, 19th? Help me. No, the, uh, we're going to have a vision rally September 17th. Thank you, Marla. This, I'm talking about this. I should know these things. but uh. So we have an event in this room. It is the Antioch New England Vision Rally. We have five congregations in New England. And I meet with those pastors every month, one-on-one, and as a group. We have peer mentorship. We're, we're processing life. How do we deal with everything that's coming at us? And this is, there's twice a year where the, the uh, people in Antioch, New England, come together. This vision rally is one, and world mandate is the other. So in the fall, on that Saturday, we're going to come in this room. as like, we don't call it a leadership rally. We call it a vision rally. And let you determine whether or not you want to be involved in leadership. Do you want to walk in this with us? Do you want to step forward in this? Come be in this room. Come be together. And hear what God is saying to us. Those pastors of each one of those churches and, and leaders... And parts of their communities are all going to be here. And uh, we're going to worship. And then we're going to divide into congregations in different parts of the building and outside. So we're going to spend a couple of hours as Antioch Waltham on that day talking about these things. How are we doing this? How are we walking this out? So that we can begin (laughs) figuring out our lanes, figuring out what's next in your steps and processes for this next year. Now, why is it starting now? Well, God gave us seasons and we're connected to an academic calendar. This is, there is a healthy thing that God uses the moon. He uses uh, temperature and all of this rotation around the sun. And so we have, we have days of rest, and we have seasons of rest. And in New England, this is, you may not have experienced this, I'm sorry, but you were supposed to get some rest over the last couple of months. So that we could, we could run, we could step into this. And uh, I was talking with my daughter yesterday, and I said, ask me some questions. You know, I, I'm talking about vision. What, is she, what, is she, what are some questions you would ask me? And she said, what are we doing here anyway? She said, she asked me, why is this so hard? And why don't we just stay home in our pajamas and watch some screens? Well, turns out relationship requires contact. And the world is drifting into something that is artificial. We've got to pursue the real. We have to pursue the real in order to have authenticity, in order to have substance. And um, it's hard. I mean, there's no way around it. We are going upstream. We're not going with the flow as we're doing these things. We are pressing against the spirit of this world, looking for authentic humility, servanthood, sacrifice, loving care, honor, that's this is the opposite of everything that's happening in our society, in our world today. But that's, that's this cute little girl in the front row here. Yes, you, Susan, yeah, you can wave. I met her when she was 18. We've been married now for 37 years. Four children... She did not get married when she was 18. Yeah, that's. Anyway, we can answer more questions about her age and other things in the future. But now we have uh, not only four children, but a daughter in law, son in law, three grandchildren, and both my daughter in law and daughter are expecting. <laughs> So, we're in gear. Five grandbabies by the spring. <laughs> I love children. Does anybody ever see that? I mean, I love children. Even love furry ones. There. But I I just, I sat around the last couple of days and had, said, just jump on me. There's a Dr. Seuss book, Hop on Pop, and i just like, hop on me, jump, jump, roll. Anyway, I just... I, what a delightful thing, but I want my children to get substance, and we've, we've lived this life out choosing hard things, because our children, we, so here's, here's a parenting principle, we're not preparing the road for the children, we're preparing our children for the road. You may not, I, I, this will take a little while to explain, that I'm not, but I'll just throw something crazy out there. We were talking about this last night. We put our sons on bicycles in our town, a million in Asia, and said, get lost. Do, do return home. But they, we just said, have an adventure in this city. Do not get run over by a car or a motorcycle. Have an adventure in this city. Wanted our children to say, the world is my oyster, I can do hard things, and, and we're, we are not afraid. So every step has been, I want more of Jesus. I want more reality and substance and community. And a hugely motivating thing, is that my kids continue to walk with Jesus and my grandchildren continue to walk with Jesus their entire lives because they've seen reality. They've seen vulnerability, honesty, humility. Not a performance, not we did it all right. My children have seen me hundreds, maybe thousands of times say, I'm sorry. And you'll experience that with me as well because I stick my foot in my mouth. I do things wrong regularly. But it's all in a pursuit of authentic relationship with God and each other. Okay, you want to go? You want to do this? It's not easy. It's a stretch, okay? There's hard things. If we start scratching into this stuff, you're going to offend each other. Because you really don't understand each other. Every step in this dream clock is like deeper water. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's figure it out. I believe this is the muscle that we need. You know, we talk about evangelism a lot of times. I'm saying, I believe there's going to be a magnet. If we look like Jesus, we can't keep people away. Because this is what they're looking for. Are we answering the deepest questions in society or not? Number one, you got to be with Jesus, okay? I'm not throwing you out there just saying go, go do all this stuff. You've got to be with Jesus. you got to be asking some crazy things. Do this in me. Change my life. Ask big stuff. And then, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. That's another little southern idiom. It's like, is the pudding any good? (laughs) You got to eat it. It's got to, is it real? Is the story that we're talking about real? You got to live it. It's going to be proved out in relationship with each other. And uh, so... This does this not mean all your problems are going to be solved. It means you're going to learn how to deal with problems. Okay. Let me see. Let's get the worship team back up here. And what I'd, what I'd like you to do is to begin praying about your calendar. Praying about what are you doing with your life? How are you ordering your days? When are you spending time with Jesus each day? When is it happening? And we're, we're going to get into some of those things. But, but this is, with everything else you're putting on your calendar, how are you walking with him and how are you walking with each other? How are we going to do this? And it's it's not going to be all resolved today, but this is, this is a taster for us moving forward, and uh, there, there are a lot of people that are not here. So, Vacation weekend, Labor Day, I hope you're having an awesome time today. So we're going to repeat this, not this specific message and everything, but in different pieces and parts going to be saying, how do do we live this out? So will you stand with me right now? And I just say, come. Come to Jesus. We're going to, as we worship, if there's anything in what I've said that's just kind of like, ah, you put a desire, if there's a desire that's risen up in you, I want you to pray about it. Something that said, maybe something's out of line. In your your walk with Jesus, in your time with devotional life with him, get it right, right now. Jesus, I want to come back in line with you. I want your word. I want prayer and your presence. I want that priority. Greatest commandment, first commandment, loving him. Let's do that. Let's do first things first, okay? So if you're not doing that, come back to Jesus. Come back to this place. Be praying about that right now. If you are disconnected from community, find your fit. Find out how we're going to walk this thing out. And it, you, you may not even know what to do. You just begin praying, Lord, who do, how do I walk with in this? How does this work for my family? How does this work in my life stage? How does it work in my situation? How do we do this? If you have a need for prayer about any of those things or you want to pray by yourself, it's great. Come on up to the front if you want to just pray with someone and say, I'm having a hard time with this, or I've got a desire in this place that's not happening. We're going to have a couple of worship songs, and this is a place where we just welcome the Holy Spirit into the room. After the word, we just say, Lord, come. Just listen and leave. Leave. This is our chance to, say, to invite the work of God into whatever He's saying to you right now. So connect with one another or come down to the front.